I, I get the impetus for, for like local first. Right. And, and I also like it. I like the idea that like, it doesn't matter if stuff goes offline. I don't like being beholden to remote infrastructure that could stop working at any moment. All this kind of stuff. I like it as a consumer, not as a developer. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 437 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today's Spooktober 13th, Friday the 13th to be more specific. Oh, yeah, 20 we, Jubilee. We, we really can't let that fact go. You know, it's important to just take a second. Note the fact. Spookiest month, October. Spookiest day, 13th. Spookiest combo of day and week, Friday the 13th. All at the same fucking time. Ooh. Yeah. Also, profanity warning. We're going to have profanity and Shit. we already did. Yep. <laughs> It's adding to the spook factor that you don't know it's coming. It's like a... Yeah. It's I a, always try to get that warning in before anybody says anything because the first sentence after the <laughs> after the intro always has something in it. Even if then there is... Even if there isn't anything for like 10 more minutes, it's always like right off the bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's in... I think it's in the psyche. It's somewhere deep in there. It's like, I got to It's pent up. Yeah, I, I think it's it because we're there. all thinking about the profanity warning, which just kind of puts it front and mm, center. Yes. It's, a whole, it's right. a whole don't think of an elephant thing, you know, so that my brain's just like a series of fucks and shit. It's like, shit! <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we'd just like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you so much for your recurring donations to help keep our microphones doing sound capture stuff. Yeah, we really shouldn't Let's have talk. bought those microphones that you have to slide a dollar into every time you want to use them. That was yeah. probably well, but they were free, so I mean, yeah, I guess you know, free, yeah, don't free do the in that sense. Yeah, yeah, we we got we got the free to play microphones where yeah. you can just you, you know you, you can get the microphone for free, no problem. It does then, play ads randomly though. Um, yeah, just and you got to buy a lot of mic gems that you can then you can then swap out for uh, for for audio coins, which is that. That well, we don't need to get into the exchange rates, but like that's really complicated. Oh, it, it basically comes out to sixty three dollars per episode mm-hmm. per microphone. Yep. But that's you know, considering it was free up front, I feel like that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, great you know? solid. So, yeah, I wait. I mean, at some point, that's going to happen, right? Someone's going to sell an ad supported microphone for podcasting, where it just it just auto injects ads like well so so have we talked about the we talked about the heated seat subscription on the podcast we must have subscription model creeping into everything okay well i got i got always i think i mean i've i've been following this story for a long time because it's just so fucking stupid yeah it's one of the things i hate more than almost so so the deal was i think it was mercedes so they they were like we have heated seats but sometimes our customers don't buy a heated seat, okay? Because when you buy your car, you can you can you know spring for the the extra things. Well, if you're buying a BMW, you're not like you're not pinching pennies, okay? Mm-hmm. You're looking to spend a whole bunch of money for absolutely no fucking reason because it's a car. It just drives around. It doesn't do any better of a job than any other car to do the job of being a car. So you're just spending money to you know. They do have you've got a it, really right? good safety record. Oh, I'm going to give them that. In terms of like, say, they are, things they are good cars. cars. Yeah. Yeah. They're good cars. 
can't say that it's the same as like a, you know, just like a jalopy that you Sure, buy it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. But yeah, it'll the, get the, you from point the, A the, to the, point B, sure, yeah. But it is. Yeah. It just doesn't mean it's an equivalent experience. Yeah, yeah. and the, the financial difference is, is not, in my opinion, proportional to the change in yes. utility. That, I would agree yes, with fair. that, yeah. Uh, sure. so, so what they found was that, you know, people who bought a BMW, 90% of the time would also buy the heated seats. Right. Mm, So BMW's over here like, hey, we're spending all this time manufacturing two different kinds of seats. And also means you're trying to predict like how many – because you make the cars ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, because then you end up with like a surplus of one or the other and also you have to have your factory configured to make two different kinds of seats. And like actually it would be cheaper for us if we just only made heated seats. Mm Right, so like let's just logistically, do that and let's just raise the base price a little. So let's bit. do that. You know, but this is, but then fine. this is where they 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 pulled a unity. Okay, where yeah. they were because like, they could have just hey. been like they could have been a selling point, which is just every car has heated. They could have just been like our cars yeah. have heated seats now. We're not going to penny pinch you on on whether or not you're going to every single goddamn like it is the thing when you're getting a car and like the list of options you can apply is just this mm-hmm. endless parade of like. How good do you want your experience to be in this thing? You know, just a thousand I love cents. the idea of them just saying, what, which is what they should have. You know, just like, hey, you just get to have all of our cars experience. have heated seats. That's now. just how it but works. They, but they they decided not to do that because of this thing called inshitification, which is a word that's coming up more and more, which I love. Mm-hmm. Which is that when a once a business reaches a certain level of saturation of the market, it just turns its products into shit. Uh, while trying to extract as much cash from them mm. as possible in shitification. Natural <laughs> consequence of the design of capitalism. Yeah, because you can't grow forever, which means at some point you just, you're just you stuck with the customer base you have, and then you've just got to explore, explore, whatever you can to keep making more profits. So so BMW was like, how do we in this mm. move to always have heated seats? And they said, well, 10% of people don't want heated seats. Which is not true. Everybody wants heated seats. Just ten percent of people didn't spring for them. Yeah, right? they don't want to pay for it. Is yeah. What so they were like, "Well, we still want to give consumers the options that we gave them before. Uh, so we yes. will still install the heated seats in every car, but we will disable them unless you pay us a monthly subscription." <laughs> that's what I got. That's that's what messed me up because I was like, "It'd be one thing if you said it's technically in there, and then you pay to like." And they turn it, it on or something, right? Even yeah, that's fucked still up. I mean, that's, fucked up. that's already yeah, fucked up. Don't get me wrong. That's already fucked up. But monthly. Yeah, that's where it really jumped the shark on yeah, that one. Which means you have an always online car. Like yeah. You, like your car has to check in with a, like a, a, a payment processor or something. Like so it, has to, it has to hook into the database. So now it's like, all right, well, in order to do, in order to say, like, do this heated seat thing, they had to add all this other shit to sort of like – have some kind of a subscription API and billing process and whatever else. Uh, I mean, every year they, that my, so they ended up, that they ended up canceling it after a while. Yeah, like I mean they recently. had to. It was just so stupid. Man. Every every year that my two thousand nine two door Ford Focus with no bells or whistles, it's got no cruise control. Doesn't have cruise control. It's it's, window cranks. It doesn't. No, it doesn't have window cranks. It does have. It oh, does that's have right. Electric yeah, yeah. windows because that's the yeah, one yeah. thing where it's like that's too. That's. That's one level too absurd for my. Whoa, there, luxury boy! Experience. You know? Does it have power locks? Uh, if if by which you mean you can push a button, the locks go up and down. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. You got everything you need. It's then. got what, what it needs. About? It's got a radio right. in it. You know. Um. So that's cool. AC I, I think. Yeah. I think it even has a CD player. Um. So it does, which yeah. is pretty dope. Retro. Uh, very retro. Uh, but yeah, but every every single year, I actually just like my old ass car. 
more because I keep hearing about all the newfangled car stuff that's happening. I keep seeing pictures of like the interiors of these cars. They're, they're cool. They look like spaceships, right? All these new cars that are coming out. But everything is a fucking flat screen, you know? Everything like, is a flat screen and, like, and, and is hooked to a subscription. <laughs> and a subscription service and like you have to like call somebody to get access to your vehicle or whatever because they can lock it remotely. And- I got a fun thing. Am I excited to get a new car because my Ford Focus just totally died, right? And there's this fun feature in my new car where it has a, it has a flat screen thing in it because you can't get one without oh, it. Yep. And whenever I start driving, the flat screen uh, pulls up a big message. It's like, hey, don't look at this flat screen while you're driving. And then it won't show you any other information oh, yeah, unless you push confirm on it. <laughs> So I'm like, yep. I, I'm like, I wasn't looking at it. And now, I don't wanna, and now I have to. And you because, made me interact with it, which is the dangerous part. Yeah. Because oh also God. like that's where like they have they have like a rear camera that, that displays on that thing. And yeah, like you can't see the rear camera because a fucking <laughs> message pops up. I'm like, what? It, anyways, who's let's talk about these things. Hardware buttons are just the best. You know? Give me buttons or give buttons. me death. Yep. You know, well, preferably buttons. buttons. If I had to choose, I'd well, choose, if, I'd choose if buttons. Well, but if it's in a car, <laughs> if, it's in, yeah, if it's in a car, you are choosing buttons or death. And that's the thing, you know? That's, that's probably true. True, actually. Yeah. If you don't have buttons, you're, you're going to die. You're going to die. die. That's, that's the consequence. It's just, I mean, yeah, everybody dies at some point. Death comes for us all. Let's yeah. talk about, let's talk about Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard, King, merger news. How... Okay. But the for the most important question here is really what are they going to do with this name? What okay. are they going to do? Okay, so I, okay, I've been thinking about yeah, this. Well, first, this is actually first the news is that the merger has gone ahead. The merger is finalized. It's, this was the, hard. This because was a gigantic ass like the just the craziest merge. Yeah, this was in Microsoft video gamers. What spending? I mean, who knows what the final result is? Because the the legal questions ought to get answered first, right? But. The, the idea is that Microsoft is spending 70, 70 billion with a B dollars to buy. AB. That's not even real money at that point. No, That's so much money that it's fake. It's a yeah. lot of 365 subscriptions. So mm-hmm. uh, and actually, yeah, and there's like money from banks that doesn't even exist because it's been lended out 10 times. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, all none fake. of this is real. None of it's real. This, this is just <laughs> the scale is too big. But yeah, so ABK, yeah. which, as you're saying, is. I want to keep wanting to say Abercrombie, but that's not that's Ab- I keep Abercrombie. Thinking of, I keep thinking uh, Burger King, Banana Republic, <laughs> and and cling, uh, cling. Kosh, Bagosh, Kosh, Kosh, yeah, short into Kosh, yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, ABK, Activision, <laughs> Blizzard, King, uh, which is already three co- three companies merged into one. I think it was first Activision, Blizzard, and then King got added. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And now Microsoft yes. has bought the whole shebang. So I think this is now an acquisition instead of a merger, right? Mm. I believe it's an acquisition. Because Microsoft is, is way bigger even, to, which is why I could buy that whole conglomerate. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that so that's been going on for now over a year. They announced it over a year ago. I think it was last summer or something or spring even. Um, trying to get it done. That they wanted to do it and then I had to go through regulatory stuff because, of course, if we actually – if we actually lived in a real place that was trying to prevent monopolies and stuff, this never would have happened in a million years. Yeah, because um, this is this is but this is you've got the entire stack, right? This is Microsoft who who manufactures Xboxes, mm-hmm. who who controls the distribution platform on the Xbox, right? Because it's the online store, and then it's and buying, the operating it, system on the for PC and gamers, the operating yeah. system for PC, right? Yeah. And then it's buying uh, seventy billion dollars worth of companies that make some of the leading 
products that are at the end of the distribution it's, chain, right? It's, so it's, it's a wild, a wild. It's called vertical integration. Uh, it's a big yeah. win for them. I'll tell you what, huge win. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and in the short run, it might it might be a win for for all of us. Oh, it's gonna be great until shitification. Yeah. Well, including ABK <laughs> employees because ABK, uh, you know, historically and notoriously has been. A very employee hostile environment. So it's, I don't know about King. I don't that's know. That's true. You never King. hear about King. But yeah, Activision and Blizzard both have had some suboptimal press yep. in yeah. recent times. <laughs> um, way to put it. Yeah. So this merger, I think I think the the interesting implications of it on like the consumer side is Xbox Game Pass and what's gonna happen with all of with all of the games that are under APK. Um, and whether or not those will be coming to Game Pass, right? So, so we have things like Overwatch, which I never purchased, or like the Diablo series, World of Warcraft, which is already a subscription. Mm-hmm. So it'd be kind of interesting if they were like, "Well, it's also in Game Pass." So if you are a Game Pass I subscriber, then you're also Game Pass. They're gonna, well, they're going to put a lot of stuff in there, and if they don't, if it's not included, it'll be the sort of thing where like you get some, you know, there'll be some bonus thing, right? Yeah, where it's like. I goodies or whatever every month or something like that. They're definitely going to pull a lot of stuff in the Game Pass because that's their that's their big bet on the future is Mm -hmm. the subscription service, and then eventually you can see where all it's going with the cloud service stuff, right? It's like I've now played quite a few games on my couch with the cloud Xbox service without having to actually install them. Which I tried playing Starfield, by the way. I was so bored. The opening (laughs) that game is so fucking slow. I was like, what is happening? that I quit after about 25 Okay, minutes. here's a question, though. <laughs> I didn't have did to install you, it for three hours, which was great. Did uh, you have any weed beforehand? I feel like no. maybe to enjoy it, you need to slow your own brain down a lot, you know? Mm. You got to match the pace yeah. match of the, the reaction game. times. Either yeah, be drunk or high, not, and then you're good. just like, fuck, this game is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up. I can't keep up. <laughs> so fast. This cutscene no. has only been going for six hours. Anyway. You know what's bad when they make is just walk. You're just walking next to some slow NPCs talking about mining rocks in a beige rock tunnel. And I was like, is this really how we're doing this, folks? Oh yeah. So we had I want to So die. we had a great we had a great Bethesda bug moment this week. Okay, speaking of Bethesda oh, games. Yeah, yeah this right. is pretty good. Did you did you notice did you catch this, Sam? No. In our, okay. in our QA so, chat. Our, our, so we have had we've had a user who's been going back and forth with our QA team who has been just having a hell of a time getting Crashlands to run on their computer, okay? Um, which is weird because why, yeah, right? It like, should, why should the, run. Uh, yeah. It uh, might, and all, I can imagine it, you know, crashing after runs or all kinds of other scenarios, but like- It should run. It should start at least. You yeah. Know? So whenever somebody has a strange situation like that, so, our immediate thought is, what did you do, right? Like First it's you antivirus, had to, and then next it's, yeah, what did you do, right? Next it's, all right, did you do some kind of like, do you have some kind of weird shit like running, like, like cheat software running, or did yep. you hack the game, or what did you, what did you do, right? Because you had to do something. Um, and what it turned out this person had done was they were trying to play uh, uh, one of the Fallout games, but there was some kind of physics bug in in that game where I guess like the f- the physics engine is affected by the frame rate. I think it was Fallout Three because I also the last time I tried to play Fallout Three on a, on a, my modern rig had like a lot of weird technical problems and I actually just kind of mm. couldn't play it. Yeah. Um, so if you're playing on a on a monitor that has like a high refresh rate or something, then apparently like the physics engine just explodes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like this is. 
that's wild that that happened because monitors with different refresh rates has always been a thing. So I don't know, but that's in there. And so this guy had installed some, some software package that essentially like fucks with, it intervenes on some kind of like device level to sort of like send fake data to a game about what your monitor is doing and stuff so that he could play one of these mm. fallout games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he just forgot because it just like apparently it he just, it just like boots and just runs in the background. Yeah. And so he had this thing running forever. Um, and then it was fucking with Crashlands, and then he couldn't play Crashlands. So I was like, you know, you know, you've really arrived in the notorious for creating bugs space as a game studio when your bugs actually start adversely affecting other games that you had <laughs> nothing to do with. <laughs> Get your shit together, Bethesda. What it's is really, this? It's very impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, so the merger with Microsoft ABK, um, it's it's final now. We'll see what happens with all the Game Pass mm-hmm. stuff. I'll, I'll be interested to see that. I do think that there's a chance that World of Warcraft ends up in Game Pass because they've been they've been slowly creeping in more like ways for people to spend money that's not part of the subscription. But the subscription uh, though, because isn't the subscription like it's at least ten dollars a month, right? Thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's is if you which is the same basically the same as, game as a Pass Game Pass subscription. Like yeah. I can't, and they have like ten million subscribers or some insane thing, right? Like I can't. Yeah, I but the difference, if you think about it this way, the difference is like if Microsoft's goal is to get people into Game Pass and keep them there, right? Mm-hmm. So WoW subscribers, they will often subscribe at the start of a season for a few months, and then like once it kind of hits a lull, they've done all the new stuff, then they let their subscription lapse for a while. Mm-hmm. And then they subscribe again, right? And so I, I would assume that Microsoft would see that and they'd be like, well, if we can switch that over to a Game Pass subscription, then essentially we give them a huge library of other games to keep playing during those lulls and they'll just keep paying us a subscription instead of dropping mm-hmm. off. You, you know? think they can offset the loss of that $10 a month for 10 million users kind of level of Well, it would just be a transition, right? It's yeah. so like they would, just, they would just move the $10 million a month from – from this pipeline into a different pipeline. I guess, it's, yeah, because it is true that especially World of Warcraft players, like that's that, and the ones that maintain their subscriptions over the long term, that's like the game they play. So you're mm-hmm. probably right that if you transition to them over to Game Pass, it wouldn't be that games. they would get Game Pass and World of Warcraft. They would just, right? they would just still pay the same amount to the same company. Yeah. Just, but they would just be the doing, they would just yeah, have but all as in like, there too. wouldn't be any yeah. cannibalization there of potential revenue where, those same users would also get. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Cause to me, it makes sense if they wanted to do that. Um, the subscription price might be slightly different, but it's like, well, you might, you might be able to keep, you know, bridge the gap and keep people during those lulls that normally oh, yeah. you would loot, you would I mean, lose. I think money, about, right. Think so. about the time when, you know, the time when it was just Netflix that was streaming content. Right. So anybody who had something good would find some way to get it onto Netflix. Right. Yeah. Before you had this giant diversity happen, where now you got, you got Peacock, HBO Max, blah, 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 right? Like everybody's got their own. It's just Max now, thing. Sam. Come on. Oh, sorry, Max. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there is a benefit to having all this rolled up on the consumer side, provided, like you said, the insurification is held at bay. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. a while. Well, the, yeah, and so, so well, this is the, the problem we'll with these monopoly moves is like, yeah, and, and so that's what I was saying. In the short term, I think this is, this is great. Yeah, right? vertical integration is super nice. Like, I would love to just pay the same amount every month. That I'm currently playing for a while, but then also just have like a trillion other games that I can play too, you know. Um, but in yeah, in the long run, what happens when the subscribers for Game Pass stop growing, mm-hmm. right? Well, the, the price starts going up, right? As the price starts going up, you know, like you'll you'll just see the exact same process happen with what happened with the streaming well, I think services a, and all I that think it's kind of a little, stuff, you know. 
different though, because Microsoft is a really has a really diversified set of income streams. That's right? true. That is true. And in particular, they've always subsidized their games division. Mm-hmm. And in particular, these days, their cloud computing stuff through Azure is like is their money making sort of yep. system, right? And that's one of those things is like. At the moment, that's one of the, still one of the few things where like everybody wants more compute resources week over week, month over month. Just all the time. Just yeah, all the time. Be true. Yeah. That is not. That's one of those few things. And, and of course, there's like the limitations of literal resources on the planet, which is kind of what we're running into, you know, for for that kind of a thing. But like, it's not a market really that's anywhere close to saturating. Yeah. And they've been able to really successfully, especially with Xboxes on on Xbox, they've been on the losing end of the market wars, right? repeatedly and consistently kind of the whole time. Um, they've had these little few little windows where all of a sudden they were kind of on top for, you know, but a year or two, but that's been really rare for them. It's most like they've, they've mostly been on the back foot, but it's okay. They use it as kind of a loss leader as part of their whole ecosystem. They can subsidize it with other parts of the company. And again, now that they have so much profit coming in through Azure, then they can just kind of subsidize everything and continue to sort of expand out and diversify stuff and, and really invest in these long scale and long term uh, efforts and experiments to try to like corner something. That is that is true. I think the the initiative problem mostly applies to if there's a company that has like one yep, moment, one, one money maker. Yeah. Yep, so yeah. like in the case of Google, it's their search. Yeah. Right. In the case of where Unity, it's like it's you know, yeah, it's the it's, do, do I actually have, Unity. I have <laughs> Google search store from yesterday. Yeah, what what happened? Did it, in, did it get inshitified? <laughs> I so all that happened was the my wife and my phones stopped connecting to the Wi-Fi for some reason. Mm. Okay, but the computer still had it just fine, or rather, they were connected, but there was no internet for some reason coming through okay. the phones. And I was like, what the hell? And so I poked around for a little bit, couldn't figure it out, and then went and Googled. You know, yeah, hey, my phone doesn't connect to my Wi-Fi, but my PC does. You know what I mean? Yeah. All I got was literally the opposite. Yeah, but it's sponsored. I mean, just it doesn't even matter. Just the opposite. It was like, it was like, just my uh, my phone's connected to my Wi-Fi, but my PC isn't. I'm like, literally, this is not what I asked. This for. is not the problem at all. Yeah, <laughs> not the problem at all. And I think that's so, always been true because, like, because that's that's the limitation of like that style of search. I think the problem is that now we're we're getting used to like ChatGPT style. Well, so then I popped over to ChatGPT and I was yeah. like, Hey, here's what's going on, and it was like, right, I got you. Here's seven options, and I did the first three, and then it was done. And yep. I was like, yep. Thank you for understanding <laughs> what the fuck was happening, and it's like just you know explained everything. I think the yeah, reality yeah. is that that Google's power as a search engine was never like the uh, the nuance and, and like accuracy of the search itself because that, that's basically a, a a pretty straightforward like language processing kind of a task that is like because mm-hmm. you could actually match like equivalent. Uh, sort of search result accuracy with any just modern database that exists these mm-hmm. days, right? Um, the power of Google has always been the fact that they have indexed the whole fucking internet, right? Yeah, <laughs> so that, speed, right, right? Yeah, so that they can surface them, and that and that historically they've tried to find ways to not just rank things by accuracy, but rank things by uh, by sort of like proxies of trustworthiness, right? So that so that they could kind That's of use that as SEO a way to get more and more accurate. Yeah, exactly. And the trustworthiness thing has been less and less possible to do to just get accurately. Mm-hmm. So that's part of why we're just seeing like worse and worse results and, and like kind of more of the same result rather than like a yeah. 
diversity of high-ranking possible outcomes, right? So that's why you'll get 10 articles that all are the opposite of the question that you asked, right? Yeah. Because like, they, have, they have the words in it. Yeah, because so, they got yeah. the words in it. And that's, that's literally the best that it can do. And I think this is part of why that, that is get, it is getting worse, but it was actually just never that good. Um, yeah. It was the best, but it was the but it best. was never that good. And it was, and it was good <laughs> enough because like for so many of the kinds of things that you would search for, like stringing the words together is going to get you there, right? As long as there's as long as there's good content on the internet that has answers to your questions, just a pretty basic natural language search is going to get you there, right? Yeah, but we're—I mean, we're definitely at the end of that at, the, at the end, end of that, that paradigm, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, because because the first paradigm shift was, you know, when we when we were young kids, we had to learn the Dewey Decimal System and learn, you know, how to get how to find stuff in libraries because that's where knowledge was, right? Like if you wanted to know something, you either just kept not knowing it or you would make a trip to the library and hope they had a book on it and then they didn't and then you kept not knowing it, yep. right? And that, those were your two options. Uh, yeah, I remember, that, remember doing research projects in like middle school and even in high school, you know, where we'd like, yeah. Yeah. you just literally they wouldn't, go they wouldn't to let you use the, the school library well, with like the 20 books that we had or whatever. And like, go. For, I remember yeah, you'd like, find like the one book on ancient Egypt or something, yeah. and then you would, you know, write a report on it. And yep. go. Uh, and it was like a twenty-year-old book with a lot of bad ideas in it. They're like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's what you got. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So like, the, there was a huge paradigm shift when search engines appeared. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a big it was a big issue at that time of how do you even like surface the info? And they were slow as shit, right? And Google's thing was they cached and indexed everything so that you got essentially instantaneous results and they just did a better job of ranking it. And so, yeah, yeah like search works well uh, when you have a fairly constrained amount of information, right? And then like as the information balloons more and more and more, search just kind of reaches a point where well, it's also, things are so saturated. That it's also about can't. noisiness, right? Because in the earlier days of the internet, like the internet was never a like utopian idealistic place full of only real truth, right? That was never, I, people kind of like look back and think of it that way. It was literally never that. It was always as gross as it is today, but it yeah. used to be so hard was to always put things on the internet. Garbage. Yeah. It was just so hard to put things on the internet historically that it wasn't worth the effort of putting just infinite amounts of complete bullshit on the internet. So there still was lots of it, right? Yeah, because there was a time when like But blogs- now it's 99% bullshit because it's so easy to put bullshit on the internet, right? So yeah, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how good your search tools are if what they're searching through is 99% bullshit. A lot of noise. Yeah, because yeah. you got to find that that tiny, tiny fraction of things. But then, of course, when you search, but like I, I assume, Sam, you type that thing in and then it was like, we found, you know, 53 billion results, right? I was yeah, like, I was I was like, 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 these are all not <laughs> what I asked for, yeah. but okay. Yeah, right. and so, that, so now we're, so now we got it, like we're at the, we, we've, we, that paradigm of, of handling information has already like hit its peak and run its course, right? There's too much information out there and you now, you now need a synthesizer, not a searcher. And that's where, you know, chat GPT or Bard comes in or, or whatever. Um, so, and it's also funny because people are like, well, you know, like they hallucinate. You be careful. It's like, have you read people's articles? Cause goddamn. <laughs> people hallucinate, Google hallucinate, everything. The problem everything is if you treat, you, I think the, the core here is that, is that things like a, a, a large language model, is a text computer, right? It spits out the next most likely piece of text. That's that's its job. That's what it does, yeah. right? It's not an oracle. It's not a processor that gives you the truth, right? It just, based on its training set, just gives you the most likely next thing. And that's that's its whole job, right? Which is usually what you want 
Well, the, that's, you know, the thing is, that's also how people work. People also aren't oracles. People also don't just know the truth, right? Um, they just assemble and spit out the most likely thing based on their training set, right? Yeah. So I, think well, I liked your I liked your approach, Adam, a while back when you were like, I if I want to have ChatGPT do something, that I would treat it the same way as if I had a person do it. Yeah, exactly. It'll do it way faster and more, you know, thoroughly and, you know, all that stuff. But like um, – But you don't trust it, it just because it you don't, did Yeah, it. you don't yeah. just blindly yeah. trust – like if, if somebody writes you up a report, you don't just go, perfect. I assume this is perfect and 100% factual. It has no errors, right? Yeah. Like you would never do that, right? So, yeah, I so won't, like, I won't, GPT is yeah, the same G, way. Yeah, I don't yeah. assume that from a news article that I read. Like why would I? Like it's written by a person. People are not trustworthy, right? People have bias. People have bias. Has bias, yeah, right? It's, like it's all – It's just the same. Yeah. It's just a it's just a digital person that yeah. has the same uh, flaws, right? Mm-hmm. So now before we get into questions, I just have one more thing to talk about with this Microsoft thing, mm-hmm. which is the name. Yeah. Okay. Which I know Sam, you wanted to talk about because because can, can we get a little <laughs> more precise here, folks? You know. All right. can we so just- it, so it was Activision and mm-hmm. Blizzard and King as separate entities. Blizzard was actually owned by Vivendi for oh, a while. Oh, yeah. That's that French um, conglomerate that owns like a million things, right? Yeah. So Activision bought Blizzard from Vivendi and then – but because Blizzard's – so I believe that was an acquisition, not a merger, I believe. Mm-hmm. But because Blizzard's IPs were so strong and their company name is so strong, Don't right? Drop like, the name. Mm-hmm. You don't want to drop it. So they 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 merged the names together as Activision Blizzard. And then later when they acquired King because King has Candy Crush – Basically, right? Um, then Literally, they, uh, that's w- once again like, and also there's like they could have just called like, it Candy Crush. Could have been Activision Blizzard Candy Crush. Would have been <laughs> you know, the most accurate. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> but this is what's kind of interesting is actually there's a, there's a segmentation of brands. So you kind of see like, uh, for example, uh, there's like these big conglomerates like Pepsi, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have Doritos. Right. which is its own entire brand that's separate from, say, like Pepsi, right? If you saw a beverage that was called Doritos, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on what here, happened? right? Or if you saw if you saw a bag of chips, it was like Pepsi mm-hmm. on the chips, you'd be like, this is wrong. Is there liquid in right? bag? Because Pepsi means something and Doritos means something, right? Mm-hmm. So the same thing applies to like Activision, Blizzard, and King. Like mm-hmm. if if they were like, welcome to Activision's Candy Crush, Yep. That mm-hmm. that contaminates. It's like Tom Clancy's <laughs> Tom Clancy's Candy Crush, right? Because like Activision <laughs> is like Activision is like Call of Duty, basically. It's like yeah. hardcore yeah. Uh, games for uh, college dormitory boys. Well, I, I would say that yeah, I would say that ABK as a name is for investors. Like that's the only way it was used, right? It's like it's the legal and for yeah, investors yeah. name because they do not use that language for. No, everywhere else you see Activision or Blizzard, right? And I also want to note here because it was something I saw last month and I I double-checked on my phone because just to make sure I got the number right because I was – my mouth dropped open. Do you know what the lifetime revenue from Candy Crush has been? I want to say $20 That's what it was. It was launched in 2020. Yes! It has made $20 (laughs) with a B dollars. That's crazy. I mean I remember remember reading because in its its peak I think it made about $2 billion in – in one year. Yeah. For, and I think it did that for a few years. Yeah. yeah. So you're telling me that, that it's made 20 billion and Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard King for 70 billion. So, yeah. so Candy Crush is actually responsible for like, for well, like a third well, of no, the value. No, because the act, because the, the sale price for an acquisition is only about future prospects. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, they're assuming that 
that these three companies together, Activision Blizzard and King, you know, have enough future earnings potential to more than compensate for a seventy billion dollar. But, but the fact right? that Candy Crush alone, a single yeah, fucking title over That's a decade, crazy. made twenty billion dollars means that even if they just spent seventy billion dollars to buy Candy Crush, <laughs> like, they, it probably would have worked out okay after right. a few decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. and so yeah, so that's that's kind of the the idea behind it. But yeah, so it's kind of weird because now, like, well, my hope is that we no longer have to talk about Activision Blizzard King as one entity because why? Like, can't like I'm assuming that under Microsoft, Blizzard can just exist on its own. Activision can exist on its own. King yeah. can exist on its own. And and they would all answer to Microsoft. Like yeah, practically you know? they yeah. already do because the way that I think of it is basically ABK. Is is the the current Microsoft right? As in like mm-hmm. ABK right. is the there's a there's thing. a corporate corporate level. Yeah, but practically top. speaking, then there's just three separate organizations underneath it. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, I think the ABK thing is going to just like go away, and we'll just have. It'll be I would of, hope so. Yeah. yeah, it'll be back to having those three separate kind of maybe change the name IPs. to Call of Call of Diablo Crush. You know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's Crush of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Crush I, of Duty is pretty good. That's pretty. Is it, is it duty like? Duty or duty, duty, like, yeah. There you go, yeah, Crush yeah. But something, duty. something that you know. Whenever you, I feel like you know, when I was a, a young, a young lad, and I didn't really know as much about how games were made. Um, mm-hmm. If I would hear about something like this, like this merger of like these big game companies, my immediate thought would be like, "Oh, that's fucking awesome! They're going to be able to combine their games in certain ways, yeah, right? Like, happen. like, can we get a Call of Duty style StarCraft game, you know, or something? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, oh, nope. no. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't that's, work like that. That's been one of the dreams, though, since StarCraft, right? It was like oh, a yeah. really uh, like good... A, like, a, like an in-world first-person yeah. or, or third-person. Uh, and like they did work on StarCraft Ghost for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Blizzard did, which was mm-hmm. supposed to be that. Almost like a Hitman-style game where you play as like a, a ghost from StarCraft, which yeah. is like a psychic sniper, basically, mm-hmm. with a... Yeah, could have been very cool. Apparent, who can call it nuclear orbital yeah. strikes. Yeah, uh, but the reality is, is like they, they basically have the resources they've got still, right? And Call of Duty is just a money-printing franchise. Franchise. They're not going to take resources away from that to go, nah. you know, build yeah. a Blizzard-themed version of the same thing, right? Because Call of Duty players don't want that. Yeah, because because like the studios still exist, you know, in their own. They still have the yeah. same people. They're just now answering to the same persons. And uh, nothing stopped them from doing that previously. Just you know, if that's true. At, at any to. point, Activision could have called Blizzard and been like, "Hey, we want to make a StarCraft." Like this is what uh, Baldur's Gate was, right? It's like the D and D people and yeah. Larian mm-hmm. came together with the IP and and made a D and D CRPG, right? Uh, anyways, so you know, well, it'll be interesting to kind of see what the actual implications are of this in terms of. Uh, what happens with Game Pass and how these companies end up structured and all that. So, I mean, this was a 23-month merger. Yeah, so it'll probably take another couple of years before all the – everything kind of shakes out. So Well, well this was know, also anything, anything honestly up, we'll the easy part because this is like a bunch of lawyers – doing stuff right which is not yeah. to say it's easy i'm sure it was just a fucking i'm sure i'm sure they made it very hard for thing. themselves you know yeah <laughs> well like lawyers jobs are make each other lawyers jobs hard right so it was gonna be yeah. that and kind then of build, and then they each build their own client while making life hard for the other lawyer yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's yeah, it's, so a, it's like, a good it's a good gig a hard problem definitely right at this at this scale but the the actual technical and organizational challenge of actually now merging these entities together or or whatever, bringing ABK into Microsoft, whatever's going to happen, right? 
uh, that the scale of that problem is so huge. I just can't imagine. It's tens of thousands of employees, different yeah. countries, different different states, different parts of the world, different languages, uh, huge, deep organizational hierarchies, right? And then c- company cultures. I mean. The whole it's it's wild. Yeah, there's a reason Honestly, why most of the time for mergers of this scale, what actually happens practically is no change, right? It's just yep. kind of different overlords and maybe some like large scale changes, like what the money is and kind of some of the strategic direction, some of the strategic direction, that kind of thing, right? But but practically day to day, usually stuff kind of stays the same. For a while, because it's just way too hard to change these things. Yeah, and honestly, like to me, the idea that this is even a a concept is is absolutely wild. Yeah, because because like when when the concept of a corporation first appeared, it was a single purpose entity. So you would incorporate it in order to do a thing. So you'd be like, we want a charter to like build a railroad. So we're gonna we're gonna form a corporation called like the. The, you know, Southwest United States Building Three Railroads Company, mm-hmm. right? You do that, you get your contracts, you do your stuff, and then it, the corporation would be disincorporated. It would be dissolved once it did the thing that it was created to do. Um, but now the idea of like companies – Companies uh, are now people that live forever. They're now immortal. You yeah. know, they're immortal and they only grow and they can like consume each other like a Gario and they just keep – Yep. They keep consolidating and and buying each other. It's also very strange this idea that like legally co- corporations are people in terms of like in protections America, anyway. yeah, in, in the U.S. But so they have free speech and stuff. But also they can be owned, which of course is not so complicated true there. of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they can't go to jail. Uh, yeah. Oh man, the whole thing is absolutely fucking wild. Uh, so, anyways, this is a huge merger. We'll see what happens. Let's get into some questions. Uh, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net, and we haven't gotten to these in quite a while, so uh, hopefully in. we can get through at least two, if bold, not one. Bold of you. Okay. That's bold, yep. All right. First question comes from Glorious Cashew, who says, what do you think about Epic Games Store's new 100% revenue share for six months of exclusivity deal? Do you think it's worth it? Would you consider taking the deal? As soon as they said, what do you think? I was like, well, this is the only question then. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, let me get my... <laughs> I'll keep it short. Yeah, I think I think it's a bad deal. Not worth it. Here's the thing. 100% of zero is zero. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, yeah. I'm not going to say anything more than that. I, I will. Okay, go ahead. Do it. Epic Game Store is still tiny, tiny, tiny compared to your alternative, which is Steam. Unless you're Fortnite. And they already only take a 12% cut. Yeah. Yeah. So so going from keeping 88% of your $12 a month that you were making off of the Epic Game Store to now you get all 12 of those dollars, not really going to do anything. And and of course, if you're exclusive, that means you're sacrificing actually making money on Steam or wherever else you were going to publish, right? So- Exclusivity yep. must be paid for. Yeah, not not. You got to buy it up front. It doesn't make any. Yeah, it's it's a. It was. I saw that news and I was like, that's like the weirdest. I would say though, if Steam if Steam said we have an a hundred hundred percent revenue share for six months ex- exclusivity. Oh Jesus! Me, yeah. me, no, I wouldn't even take that. Assuming the exclusivity exclusivity meant only Steam and no other platform. Period. Right. Oh, if yeah. they said like if they said like you can't launch on mobile, you can't launch on Xbox, you can't you know whatever. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take that deal with Steam, even though they take a thirty percent cut, still, and it's way bigger. You know, I would mm-hmm. if I didn't have any other deals. Yep. Because 
That's fair. I guess you could roll out your launch afterwards. Yeah, and because yeah. Steam is the only platform today that you can just go make money on. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's hard. you still can't most of the time, but it's the only one where that's even like where you could. Possible. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if I didn't have guaranteed, like just launching on a store is not sufficient. So if I didn't have guaranteed income on the other stores, then I would gladly take 30, I guess, because when you're flipping fair. it the other way, it's an extra. It's, know, all, it's almost a, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a 50% gain in, in income off yep. of Steam. Um, yeah. So yeah, percentages are, are kind of wacky that way. Yeah. Because yep. the difference between between making 70%, 100% of your money is like, yeah, like I was saying, 40, mid 40s percent boost in revenue, which is huge. Yeah. Enormous. But the difference between making 88% of your income and 100% is basically a 12% boost. Basically. Yeah. Right? I, think, <laughs> I think my main annoyance uh, with like this epic stuff is it's a, is it's performative um, because it doesn't actually, they're kind of doing it in a way where they're like, ha, we're trying to like force the market to, and, and I agree with, with Tim Sweeney's general position that what he calls the store tax on all the different platforms is too high. 30% is, it's it just is absurd. The value proposition is not high enough for, cause that's cause like, like for a game company, your revenue comes from the game sales. Right, meaning thirty percent of all of your revenue, right, uh, of your business is just owned by all the platforms, right? And yeah, they're providing an excellent service. And sometimes one we complain about a lot, right? But the main service of like making so people can get access to and buy the game, right, uh, and resolving tons and tons of technical and regulatory and tax and all for, kinds of for problems, me, right? it's the regulatory and tax. Stuff. Oh yeah, like I, I will happily pay thirty percent. Well, that's the thing yeah. is like. It's yeah, it, it solves so many problems that like I can begrudgingly accept the 30%, right? But it is also true that none of these companies need to be taking 30%, right? And no. and also they, are, they they ask for a tremendous amount on top of that. In yes, terms of other when Steam Deck like, is comes out and they're like, oh, integrate our SDK and make sure it works. Integrate your SDK, have it tested, and then and then we'll you know include it in Steam Deck stuff, and you know, and it's like, yep. oh god. And then Apple does the same shit all the time. You know, yep. it's, everyone's doing this where they're at. They're not just taking thirty percent. They're taking thirty no. percent and then making and then, you do and stuff, then adding also. lots of dev costs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I admit that 30% is about the highest I would accept. It's too uh, yeah. 20% seems like to, to me, 12% seems suspicious. Like that's 15 too to low. 20% seems like. Yeah. 20% free. I feel like, Leadership. yeah, okay. You know, like, but it's also strange. It actually reminds me a lot of tipping because it's like, all right, let's say I buy a thousand dollar bottle of wine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the waiter goes and grabs it and brings it to me. I swear a little lot though. You yeah, pour it in your glass. Yeah. All fancy. So, so, so nothing, nothing. Nothing new happened compared to if I bought a $10 bottle of wine, right? Like buy a $10 bottle of wine, waiter goes, grabs it, brings it to me. $1,000 bottle of wine, same shit. But when I buy the $1,000 bottle of wine, I have to pay the waiter $200 of tip (laughs) for doing the same thing because I bought the expensive wine that the waiter had nothing to do with. Yeah. Right? So Which to me is This is where I think it's strange because because that is a progressive tax. Actually, it's not even progressive. That's still a regressive tax because it's proportional. Because if you could afford a $1,000 bottle of wine, you know, like- I don't care. You have to pay well, no. To me, it's it's a question of what are you what are you paying for? Right? Are you paying for the service? Or are you just giving money for no fucking reason? Right? Because like in the case of of Steam, it's like, well, does their uh, regulatory burden and other burdens increase? Like, do they have to do more uh, of that stuff? If our game sells a million copies versus if our game sells a hundred thousand copies, like yeah. no, the only thing that that affects is their distribution infrastructure, mm-hmm. is the, the Which data is bandwidth. Also, right? you know, big, right? But it's not thirty percent of a game, big, no. right? 
And so there's this strange thing where it's like there is a definite fixed cost that they have to incur regardless of the performance of games. And then there's like a very small, small variable cost that they incur by distributing the games, right? And the fact that the the red that the the fee we we pay them is proportional to the game sales, even though the service they offer is not proportional to the game sales in terms of like the costs they incur. That's where to me it's like that analogy of ten dollar bottle of wine versus a thousand dollar bottle of wine is that the well, service you're receiving is identical. They, it's because they can, right? And that's that's the frustration, yeah. right? But yeah, but when and it comes, that's where it's when it also comes parallel, to the, right? Yeah, when it comes to the <laughs> epic stuff, though, it's like to me like it feels performative because it's because they are so tiny in the market for in the PC market, right? For for being a game store. They're huge, like as a company because of Fortnite, mm -hmm. right? Um, but as a game store, they're tiny. And so they can they can just kind of say and do anything and it doesn't actually matter in the market. Right, they got the benefit of being behind, right? So yeah, like so they can they can gamble and kind of throw their weight around, whatever weight they have. Well, they got they make a big scene. There's not enough weight to do any boat. Yeah, it just doesn't like really matter. And and I just don't neat. really believe because it's still they're not publicly traded. I don't think, but they have a lot of investor, like big money investors. Um, and I don't believe for a second that if they were actually in a competitive spot in the market that they would be pushing against a 30%. <laughs> right? Like the yeah, reason they're doing it is because they need a competitive advantage in the market because they don't have one otherwise. And, and I, and I don't like it because again, one that feels performative, but more importantly, it's, it can sucker people into bad deals. And, I, and that, so this is actually, I specifically don't like this policy of like, Hey, if you do a, because mm. what I actually should say is, Hey, if you come to our store, period, the first six months, we're not going to take any revenue share or even yeah. we'll double your revenue do. is what it should actually be. Right. Because, because like a matching program, because <laughs> they need people to come to the store. Right. And the fact that they'll only do it in exchange for you not being on another store where you will actually make money to me is developer hostile. And they dress it up in this like developer friendly, like, look, we're going to let you keep all your money or give you more. Cause I, cause actually the first time I read this, though I haven't looked in a while, I actually read it as they would basically give you a hundred percent of revenue on top of what you made for the first six months. It exchange. Well, they can't do that. Cause that's just way too cheesable. Right. Cause like you could just make, cause that's just like, you could just make a thousand bot accounts and buy copies of the game and then yeah, double true. your money. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so yeah. So like they can't, they can't do any kind of a matching thing, but uh, yeah. yeah but if it's, it's just like, you're right. It's again, like to me, this is what I would call, I would call this developer hostile. And especially cause it's going to be targeting indies. Right. Um, yeah, only and, people who don't know any better would yeah. take the deal, so, and then they'll be in a so bad So I think spot, it's bad. You know? I don't like it. That's my yeah. position. Agreed. Agreed. All right, well, I, we, we can do another question. Go, 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 go. We did it. Oh, okay, next question comes from Lex Zap, who says, Recently, I have been hearing of the local-first software movement. What are your thoughts on this new approach to software development? And what does this mean? We read. Oh, uh, hold on. We read about we, this. Yeah, we actually talked about this like a few weeks ago, right? Because when we yeah. first so saw this is this, question, this is interesting check. because uh, this is what we've always done, and we didn't even realize that there was an alternative way of doing it. Well, this is this is about web dev. Is like the in my understanding of the local first thing is to sort of prioritize toward having the client do a lot of stuff. And, uh, and, and have the data available locally so that you don't have to always be yeah. online. So, for example, yeah. in Levelhead, you can edit your levels and stuff, and you can play stuff while offline, right? Mm -hmm. You won't be able to, like, go to the tower and search for new levels because that requires us yeah. to do a database search, right? 
But all of your data, your campaign, your workshop, everything else is locally stored on your device so that if you boot up the game with no internet connection, you just play. And then we sync it with the web whenever you get a connection back. So my understanding is that's basically what this is, yeah, like this idea for, of local first. But yeah, but for web dev, because web dev... Because uh, it is true also in games that people opt for like the online always sort of, right? It's something I noticed but that actually- Web like, dev example, is like definitely does that. So, but yeah. Yeah. Because like, uh, like Baldur's Gate, for example, um, every now and then I would notice when, when playing, because I've ra- rarely played multiplayer in Baldur's Gate. Almost all my playtime is single player. But I've noticed that every now and then like an enemy would make a move at the end of a turn and then nothing would happen for a few seconds. And then suddenly the animation would play as if mm-hmm. as if there's server latency. And it turns out there is. Because in order to make the game easily uh, handle multiplayer, they just made the game always be processing things through the server. Right. Oh, I just like, was happening. I yeah. figured it was just, so, there's so much shit happening that it was kind of just lagging out. Yeah. And it's weird because like you can still play it offline. So I don't know what that is, right? Like why would, why would they do that if you're playing single player? But mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it's just easier to just keep things synced with the server instead of like trying to sync them, uh, you know, right. periodically or something. Yeah. Well, uh, so I have a few. So, so when people get upset about always online, um, they, especially in games, they generally do it because there's the sort of assumption that this is, there's a two-part. One is there's an inconvenience because of course you want to be able to play offline, right? But the other one is there's an assumption there's something like nefarious going on, especially when related to like DRM and stuff, right? Yeah. It's um, usually a bad faith feeling. Yeah. And, and there's, and it's not that there's an absence of truth to that. It's that technically, and like from a, from a technology and just practical standpoint, if you're going to have online capability of any kind, um, the there are a bunch of really hard problems you have to solve, and the sort of the collection of the hardest ones are resolving data conflicts, right? Yeah, it's on my machine, I thought this thing was supposed to happen, but then the server says that something else was supposed well, to. Happen. I, well, actually, the worst problem, which is like. Uh, I played offline for for five hours on my device, right? And then I went to a different device and also offline, also offline, and played for two hours, right? And now I have basically two branches of the same thing, and like, and now what do you do, right? Uh, or if you're doing multiplayer stuff, like, and somebody's device hitches for a bit, and you want them to still, or or they have extra lag, or they do temporarily just like lose internet access or whatever. If they're still playing, then they're now playing where the whole world is, is deviating more and more from what everybody else is doing until you get resynced and everything goes again, right? Um, so the easiest solution to that whole class of really hard problems is, is to not solve them. It's not solved. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, and I don't even say this like, you know, like facetiously like it's a bad or lazy move. No, it actually. You no. got to understand, these yeah. are extremely challenging problems and they're not solvable. Like they're not, there's yeah, not just like, Oh, we've solved this right there. They yeah, are also means that problems that you can just do. There will always be holes in the solutions that you come up with. Cause you're always choosing one thing over some other thing. There's, it's always a, a push and pull. On, and yeah. if you have, if you have offline play and online play where you have this like caching and then syncing and catch up mechanism, that means that, that you still need to maintain all the server stuff to handle all the, the game's data. But, you but now you also have this, yeah, you also have this extra set of logic about how you're going to cache and sync the data. And every time you add a new game feature or new stuff that needs to be saved to the player's save file or whatever, you, you have to, to make sure you places. update both of those systems and to handle it. 
and this which is, is fragile. Yeah, right? so this is already an impossible, like really difficult undertaking. It's very hard. But it's exacerbated enormously by the fact that as soon as any of this logic is happening on the client, rather as in like the, the player's machine, players, right? then a substantial, and especially in games, a substantial fraction of players will be fucking with that data, right? They'll be running various cheat engines. They'll be, they'll be doing things to fuck with it, right? And that increases the amount of sort of desynchronicity happening because now it means that no matter how good of a job you did, make sure that the server logic and the, the client logic match, the user is going to bullshit. force them to mismatch, right? And now you have to figure yep. out what to do with that, how to deal with that too. And you can't tell the difference most of the time between a bug in your code and a user fucking with the client side code, right? And so the burden now on you to deal with support tickets and your QA needs and all this kind of stuff goes way, 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 way up because you're getting all these spurious issues that are really expensive. Cause like any web thing, anything dealing with data being asynchronously moved around and like rejoin all this kind of stuff is so hard to debug in QA that yeah. every time you add a new source where things can go wrong, the cost to you as the developer just goes up and up and up and up. And the time required to like deal with all of these goes up and up and up. And all of these things have to be then because you just it's now in exchange for what? So now what are you not doing instead, right? Mm -hmm. So I have a less... I used to, before I was a web developer, I used to Before have, you understood the problem. Yeah, I used to have very <laughs> hostile views towards always online stuff, right? Now, as well, it's easy, it's easy to assume malice as or a laziness, player. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, because because you look at his player. Like I remember when Diablo three launched, and mm -hmm. in, into their frenzy of uh, error thirty seven or whatever mm -hmm. it was called, where like you would you would try to just play it single player and you couldn't because their servers were overloaded. You can't log in, right? And it's like, I, what the fuck? It's a single player game. What's wrong, right? But what people don't realize is that like that single player game, you could is also invite a somebody. Game. Yeah, like you're you're playing it by yourself, mm -hmm. but you could invite anybody else to jump into your game at any time. Yeah. Right? So, well, it, so but also Seth, to your to your earlier point, um the the logic of the game yeah. has to exist server side to have multiplayer. Right. Yes. Yeah. And if they wanted to also exist client side, it's not going to be exactly the same logic. It can't be because they would have, have to cut it up twice. It has to be cut it up twice. Yeah. It's Which just again, going doubles to be the dev cost. Yeah, right. It's just <laughs> a lot more practical to make it always online. Yeah. Yeah. It's more practical, and it's like, well, there's an there's an inconvenience layer to the player, but actually, it's to a very specific subset of players at specific times. Right. Yeah. Um, where like if you're if you're on an airplane. And you you can't get any except nowadays that's actually less and less true, right? Because yeah, Wi-Fi airplanes. A lot of airplanes have Wi-Fi mm -hmm. now. Um, yeah, or, or if you're, you're rural, traveling. or if you're in parts of the world that have there's less internet connectivity. So there, there there are real consequences to this, definitely. And so I don't want to downplay that either and say like it's just totally fine. It's kind of like, it's yeah. like any accessibility issue, right? Like the fact that it's expensive doesn't mean it's fine to not do it, but it also is the practical explanation for why people don't, right? Yeah, and when well, you have to just ask yourself, like from a practical standpoint, if you are the decision maker and you're running this company and you say, all right, well, 2.3% uh, of our users will sometimes or often have a difficult time with, uh, you know, the fact that we have this always online thing. Yeah. But, but to if, solve but we, this, it's going to, to solve it. We'll have to double our costs. Yeah. It'll, it'll kick Would, out, our, it'll kick out our launch date by 30% or 40% yeah, and increase yeah. our long-term maintenance costs by just 
20%. You would need to staff up QA. You would need to staff up your programmers. You would need, you would need much more rigid product management. And like you said, you need more, more time. I think really when people complain about what they're complaining about is a mismatch between what they perceive the game as at a baseline versus what the game actually is, which is like, technically, do I think that this is, do I, do I experience a game like Diablo as a single player game? Yes. I don't like, I actually don't, I've, Bear, I very rarely played Diablo, any of them, even uh, Diablo 2, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. as like a play with friends thing, right? Yeah, so it doesn't I, matter to you that they had to optimize everything exactly. for the multiplayer case. Yeah, yeah, and the framing of it, it's not framed as a multiplayer game, as in like it's not... It has multiplayer. It has yeah, multiplayer, it, yeah. it isn't multiplayer. Which is true for a lot of games, games, right, is that they have multiplayer. Like games are not yes. usually multiplayer games, right? Yeah. Yeah, but and there's so, other stuff, though, like that you don't think about. So, for example, if you fully uninstalled Diablo and then you reinstalled it two years later, you would expect your character to still be there. Yeah. Why? Because it's it's online, right? It's in the uh, so even though even though you've never played with anybody else, you're still taking advantage of all of these yeah. online yeah. services, right? That yeah. You just and don't I think have that's that core. But again, is like is trying to parcel these things out so that because it's just not the case that. You can have complete. And actually, we, we talk about this. So t- I think uh, like the game changer that we talk about a lot on the mm-hmm. on the show that we, which is our uh, our tool for managing content for Crash Institute, right? Is a good example of this too, right? Like it's a local first thing, mm-hmm. actually, right? It lives inside of the game. Yeah, it lives inside of the game. But so much of this is is because we we want to make sure we can work even if one if our internet goes down, right? But also just like practically, it makes sense for what the game changer is because the game changer represents all of the data that the game has access to, right? It we don't there's not so much data that could be in the game, but isn't always that we need like a remote database that has all of the data right. that we just go fetch the parts that we need, right? That, that's not, not how it needs to work, right? But if you are Twitter, right? You can't download every fucking tweet that's ever existed locally, Twitter. right? Yeah. Yeah, you can't that's, download you need, you need a building. You need a building full of servers yeah, to, to hold store that all data. the tweets yeah. that exist, right? It's and I think – and and if you are developing something that lives in this kind of weird space where you're like some components of it are more like the game changer, some components are more like Twitter, right, or whatever. Some things are online like cloud saving, right? Some things don't strictly need to be like the generation of those saves in the first place. Um when you're in these like weird nebulous spaces, um, again, the complexity for allowing for both, it yeah. just gets extremely, extremely high really fast. But especially with something as complicated as like Diablo or, or World of Warcraft, right? Where just the sheer – because because for those things to even work at all, you tend to break them up into what people call the microservices, right? But it's basically these kind of like pseudo-independent little – clusters of logic that you can kind of scale up and down independently that handle certain kinds of tasks. And then you just have ways of like having them all talk to each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And these are huge problems people are solving. And so there's not a, there's not, I guarantee you, there's not a single person at like Blizzard who knows how every part of the web tech that manages oh, no. World of Warcraft works, right? Yeah, in a weird way, this is the heated seats problem all over again, right? Mm-hmm. Because like they had to manufacture two different kinds of seats, which actually ended up being way more expensive. And they're like, it's actually cheaper if we just make yeah. the more tech, the more if we <laughs> right. only make the more technically complex thing, yeah. rather than both the technically complex thing and the simple thing at yeah. the same mm-hmm. time, right? Or it's like you know Batman when his uh, his car busts apart and turns into a motorcycle, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that shit? Yeah. It's like, well, imagine if you had that and you're like, well, we want to make some changes to the motorcycle. 
Yeah, it's not well, happening. you can't do that unless you also make changes to the car because <laughs> they're they're well, part of actually, the same thing. You yeah, know? I think that's actually that core point, right? Is is if you have a complicated system because you need that complicated system, and there is a simpler thing that you could also do. Also, doing a simple thing just makes the complicated thing more complicated, right? It doesn't because yeah. you're not yeah because yeah, you're just doing two things now. Yeah, yeah. which so two which is to summarize <laughs> my answer to all of this stuff. I I get the impetus for for like local first. Right. And, and I also like it. I like the idea that like, it doesn't matter if stuff goes offline. I don't like being beholden to remote infrastructure that could stop working at any moment. All this kind of stuff. I like it as a consumer, not as a developer. Yeah. I, just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't like yeah. it as a developer. And again, practically speaking, uh, I'm just kind of accustomed to the idea now that like everything that I do is just requires the internet to work. It just, yeah, it just whatever does, you know, I can't, like, I can't get emails if the internet doesn't work because how could I? That doesn't even make sense, right? I couldn't chat with people if it doesn't work because, again, how could I? It doesn't make any sense. Um, there are certain things that I want to make sure generally work offline. Like, I want to be able to edit code offline, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Um, but I don't need to be able to sync things offline because, again, doesn't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but because I, I am there, like this, there's a new kind of paradigm in programming where you're seeing this happening too, where GitHub and a bunch of other services are offering basically just cl- basically a development computer in the cloud that you're now talking to through your browser or some or through a right. other kind of a client, right? But where everything is actually happening there instead of on your machine. You're basically remoting in. Yeah, you're basically remoting in. That's just somebody else's machine, and. That does have tons of cool advantages, right? Mm-hmm. You can be on a shitty machine now talking to some amazing machine, right? Yeah, you can now have 10 people. Yeah, machine. exactly. Yeah. Talking to the same machine, which is also very cool, right? But of course, also, if your internet goes down, you're toast, right? Yeah. I say, it requires this Venn diagram of somebody who has great internet, but a terrible machine, right? Like that's mm-hmm. to, to really want. This well, actually, that's service, but know? that's the interesting thing is that is that more and more like like uh, people having a rig is just less and less true mm-hmm. over time, right? Developers are the most likely to have, or PC gamers are by far the most likely to have a rig, right? And for then, some reason, developers carry around thirteen-inch MacBooks. I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, especially web developers are only using Macs, basically, right? Um, game developers yeah, are using. Like a- rigs because you need a rig to make games. Right? Just the idea of like spending eight hours on a laptop. Like, do you hate your neck? Yeah. Do you just want to just want to fuck your neck right up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> do what that. One of the web dev podcasts I listen to, they, they, have a, they have a guest basically every week and they have a set of questions they always ask at the end, which includes like, what is- Is your, one of them, how's your neck? It's what's your setup, right? And the, f- oh. and the fraction of people who just work on a MacBook fucking laptop with no bells and whistles, right? Uh, and are like building entire companies, you know, doing this is they got to be in their twenties. Cause like they're I, all fairly I, young in their twenties and 30s, I programmed yeah. Crashlands on a laptop at Sam's apartment for yeah. the most part. Well, I'd say about, three, about three days a week. And then like a couple days a week, I would yeah. be at my place with my actual. Yeah. My first know, year and a half of work with B-Scotch in Dallas was also on a laptop. And then I would like fly into St. Louis once every six weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. With my laptop and set up You'd work on somebody else's account, yeah, yeah, desk or whatever. And the yeah. thing is, like, so at that time, around the time we launched Crashlands, uh, you know, I was I was in my late twenties and like still relatively started, cartilaginous. Yeah, and when we started <laughs> Crashlands, I was in my mid twenties, right? So like working on a laptop at the start of Crashlands, no problem. By the time we launched the game, catch up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, I hope this game makes some money so, <laughs> so that I can. Get a something, something take care ergonomic. Of your joints, kids. You know? you know, if you're doing art, take care of your wrists. Okay, I can't stress it enough. 
take care of your fucking wrists. If you're doing yeah. laptop stuff, I don't know, man. Get Just spring for something to help your neck. The thing that I would never understand about laptops is why they would not uh, – it's like, it's like you got your, your Surface, my, the Surface mm-hmm. tablet thing, right? Which has like a detachable screen. Um, no, no laptop has a detachable screen that also has the ability to be elevated. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Like, why can't I take the screen off and raise it? If I could do that, I would use a laptop. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the fact that the, that the screen has to be, you know, two feet below my eye line while I hunch over it like a gremlin, you know, <laughs> uh, like either your arms can be comfortable, either your wrist can be comfortable or your neck can be comfortable, but never both. You never okay. Yeah. Never with both. a laptop. Yeah. 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 So somebody get on that. You know, that, I would pay a subscription service for that shit. Hydraulics for my hydraulic. Yeah, for well, my monitor. Yeah, if, you, if you add up, like, because it is, it is a hilarious thing, because like, really ergonomics for working on a computer is all about, it's the relative distance between the floor to the seat of your chair and the floor to the top of your desk and the chair to the top of the desk and like how thick your legs are and how tall your legs mm-hmm. are and stuff, right? But basically, there's yeah. a few different distances though. It's like, Floor to desk and then desk to keyboard because there's different ways of putting a keyboard. On how, this, right? how thick is your desk? Yep. Yeah. How thick is your et cetera? Yeah. And then desk to monitor, right? And then you come in and you position yourself relative to all of that stuff, right? But when all of those things can move independently, that's the then only you, time you can control your actual ergonomics for your yeah. own body, right? But it's all, like if you think about it, like we all have similar kinds of setups, right? But like we have these ergonomic robot arms, right? That allow us to position our monitors not on our bodies, not but on like our attached bodies, to our monitors, attached to our yeah. desks, right? So that our <laughs> desk, so that the distance between our desk and like the top of the monitor, we can just adjust however we want, right? And mm-hmm. we all have have standing desks that can be moved to any relative height position, right? So the distance between the floor and the desk is also independently mobile, right? And this is the only way that, as a person mm-hmm. in your like thirties and up, that you can survive. Doing this long term, eight hours a day. On a fucking yeah, every now, every now and then I uh, I hear like so our our dad will say something like oh, I don't know how you guys spend all day on the computer like I'm on there for like thirty minutes and I just gotta get the fuck yeah. Out have of you there. seen like, yeah, his like, setup? It's the least yeah, ergonomic. Like, yeah, thing yeah in the you're universe. working on a on a laptop on like a high top sort of like hardwood desk that's used for yeah. like writing by hand where it's like you actually want it to be raised higher, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like ergonomics for a computer is like lower desk, higher monitor, but basically everything that a laptop and High it's desk is not. It's yeah. just the opposite, right? It's like, yeah, I can understand. If I was working on that setup for thirty minutes, I would. I'd, I'd, I'd probably just. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't make games anymore at all. I'd just mm-hmm. die. Just weep. Yeah. So it matters. It matters. Uh, but anyways, what was the question? Oh, local first. Served. Yeah, local first. Uh, it's whatever. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I so. like the motivation. <laughs> I think it's a good. I think it's a good kind of a goal. But I also think most of the time it is a. The, the nuance related to the question um, is actually important. And I would actually say that most of the time, uh, I would prefer to get a product out with more features and fewer bugs. Um, which might just require better maintenance, which if it requires any online component at all, may just re- require it to always be online. And uh, I would mostly prefer that because of the reduction in complexity of the tool overall. And I want to use... I want the tools that I'm consuming to be likely to work for the long term. And the more complicated those tools are to develop and create and maintain, the less that's true. Um, yep. So, so that's that's an argument in either direction, basically. 
It's it's kind of an argument for not local first, actually. If if anything, if it has if it has web components, then if it's always online, it's a simpler product to expand, and that's better in the long run. And you know, if you ever end up without internet access, well, take take a break, break, take a day off, read a book, go for a walk. It's okay. Been outside. Pretty Not lately, but like I'm sure it's great out there. <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty great out there now. For a while, I was out there this morning. It's not yeah. great. Yeah. Oh wow, nice. great. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you, you could just go outside for a moment. Take just take a breather. Touch the grass. grass. That's all. Yeah, touch some grass. That's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa Costa, for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. And as always, if you'd like to help us uh, get some visibility on Crashlands 2, which is our upcoming game, you can head on over to Steam. Just look up Crashlands 2 and give it a wish list. Uh, we'd appreciate it. It'll boost the uh, the visibility of the game in the, in the store, and that helps us out a ton. So thank you very much. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.